Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, I believe there's some people now on the call uh, that I met through Max's and that are interested in what's going on because I've been posting the links and, and information uh, at the new social media platform, Max's. Um, and I also want to, and I'm welcome to this call. i also going to be starting, as soon as they have a link called Groups, uh, they have one now called Forms, and I don't know if I want to start from that or wait till they start with groups. I think I, I feel more comfortable when I start with groups because then I can invite and delete people from the group. Um, not that I'm looking forward to deleting people, but you never know. Um, but with that, I'm going to start an educational program because... Um, obviously, many of the people that I talk to over the course of the week, and I talk to many, I spend a lot of hours on the phone talking to people. And, you know, and like Dave and I, we constantly say, you know, we're doing this more so, more so out of charity than anything else. We're not making enough money even to pay our bills. And I'm not asking for donations. I think everybody is entitled to their worth. So either we're not worth a whole lot, or uh, I don't know what the other or is. You know, people just take us for granted. I don't know, and I'm not complaining. But what I am going to do through Max is I'm going to start an educational program on the the simplistic things, it wasn't said right, on the simple things that people ought to know. And first of all, people ought to sign up and join the criminal complaint that was sent to Congress. That's number one. If you haven't done that, we we don't really have anything to talk about. Because the memorandum of law that supports criminal joinder of the criminal complaint that went to Congress is my second Bible when it comes to everything because you can look up almost chapter and verse in your support of whatever you're doing. With that being said, I talked to four people this week, and I asked them a simple question. Is the statutes at large, are they equal to or better than the the code or or the codified code, you know, like Title 26 and 
Title 18, and so forth. Four people's answer was almost identical the same. It's like a, it's, a, it's almost as if they called each other, say, I don't know. And they said, I don't know. And I said, you're telling me the statute's at large. You don't know that if, if that's more powerful or, or less powerful than the codification of the titles. They said, no, I don't know. And what brought this up was the Reconstruction Act of 1998 is in the statutes of large. But you know it's not in Title 26 or anywhere else. The statutes of large is the law. The the codified sections of the statute at large is found in the titles as to where they are relative. Like when you look up uh, Title 26, you'll see in there's from the you know certain statutes at large, which you can go to the statutes at large and find it there. Sometimes you don't find it in the statutes at large, but sometimes you do. But in this case, the Reconstruction Act is found in the statutes at large, but it's not in Title 26. And where it all talks about the IRS, how the, the IRS agents are to rely on the code and the regulations right down to the IRM, which is the Internal Revenue Manual. Now, if you don't have the knowledge and if you don't have the money to support the people that are going to help you get that knowledge, we really don't have anything to talk about, I feel. I hate to say it like that, but we don't because you're wasting my time. And David, you can't be wasting David's time because David has already done the time and putting all this stuff together. And, you know, a lot of the people that buy the flash drives, I'm just in conversation, I said, well, what did you think about the 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 part in, in David's flash drive that, that you bought and yada, yada, yada? Well, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at it. Well, you know, you bought it six months ago. When do you think you're going to get that chance? You know, people, it, it's... Um, I understand we all got things to do and we all got times and issues. But, you know, if if you're going to fight against a monster, against the corruption, against a government, it, it, it can do more damage than the California fires to people's lives. You need to know what you need to know and you need to be able to support the people that are teaching. Now, it, it, it bothers me not if you want to go and, and listen to other people, such as the people that Dave really, you know, uh, like to put their, his foot on and, and so forth, because they deserve it. I mean, a lot of those guys don't know what David knows. They don't, and, and, they're, and they're more in it for the money than we are. Of course, we gotta get paid for something. We, you know, God didn't put me on earth to talk about you and the IRS. 
but he did put it in my heart to know that when the truth is known, either I have to make a decision. Do I want to live a lie or live the truth? And I, and I chose to fight for the truth. As, as many, uh, I know that many of you do, and many of you on this call know what I'm talking about, and many of you have the knowledge, and you have supported us and bought the materials and everything. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm scolding the people that haven't or so forth, but but re- it really gets down to the point of. And and I wish and I'm not going to name names, but I, it gets down to the point where, well, you know, Chris, I don't really know what you you know all that you're talking about, but you know, I haven't paid for three years. And I said, why haven't you paid? Oh, because I'm not a citizen of the United States. Other than that, is there any other reason? Well, no, I don't think you know. I know they're breaking the law, but I don't know how. Let me tell you something. Pay the tax. Pay it until you know what you know. And real short, I'm going to end this real quick now. When I first got in over 30 years ago, I had a driver's license. I was a ticket-paying, tax-paying type guy. I did all the research. I did everything regarding the IRS. In fact, I used to run down to the IRS office. They had a big office here in Melbourne. And and they almost wanted to lock the doors when they saw me pull up. They got tired of me. Mr. Chapman, we can't help you. You got to write to the IRS. What do you mean you can't help me? They got a big sign there. We're here to serve, (laughs) you know, and give you an honest and, you know, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. So, and then when I handled the driver's license, I used to get tickets and fight them, and, and many times I lost. But it was something I could afford to lose and yet fight until I learned how to win. Then I gave up my driver's license because I didn't need them anymore. But I do have a driver's license, for those who want to know, only because... My family won't let my grandchildren ride in the car with me when I'm driving, and fam- family is much more important to me than, oh, I drive without a driver's license. Because I still beat the tickets. They be close, okay? Just because I have a driver's license doesn't mean I'm giving up anything. Right? So with that being said, the reason for my attitude and my dogma, I guess, or or my my um, my sincere belief that you gotta have the knowledge. I got the man on the phone with me. That when I met him, it was a lot of his knowledge. I I gotta admit that I knew, but I didn't know how to put it together. I didn't know how to argue it. I didn't know, you know. Okay, I got all this knowledge. What do I do with it? Well, David Marilyn put it together in such a way, but it was his posture. If you can't prove that I can prove what you can't prove, then you're the criminal, and I'm filing a criminal complaint against you. Man, was that power that got me? I mean, that my heart started pounding, and uh, I mean, almost tears started coming out of my eyes because. I was getting criminally investigated, and I knew I got my remedy. I mean, I got yours, 
but I got mine. And I went in front of the grand jury, you know, waving my my, uh, joiner in the criminal complaint and couldn't wait to get in front of the grand jury because of Dave Maryland, because of that memorandum of law, because of what he wrote in the criminal complaint, how these people were getting victimized by the IRS. And I owe it all to Dave Maryland. And that's his why I told Dave, man, you know, I virtually owe you my life. You know, I mean, I'll do anything I can for you at any time. And I stuck by him in the hard times as well as the easy times. And um, and I don't know if there's been easy times. But anyhow, the, the thing of it is, Dave has helped so many people, Dave and I both, since, since I joined him in 2007. Or six, we've helped so many people from getting criminally indicted, and now I believe I got the answer on the civil side. But that is coming, and it's coming shortly. I've been saying that for a year, but now it is. It's coming real soon. So with that being said, I'd like to introduce my mentor and longtime friend, David Maryland. Dave, take it away, please. Thanks a lot, Chris. My name is David Merlin. Welcome to the American Liberties Call, November 6, 2019. Nothing that hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. We've got a couple of new faces in the room, and we have uh, some senior uh, figures like R. Boggs and Steel Billy, L.T. Oates, and... Uh, now, let me begin by sharing with you something from LTO. Uh, there it is right there. Copy and paste into the chat. Get ready to write. Uh, there's a particular direction I want to go today. It's on the web. And there's Mr. LTO. He joined the criminal complaint as a similarly situated witness and or victim of crime as those described or those who complained January 1st of 06 to 80 members of Congress. Uh, That was me and like five other co-complainants. One of the co-complainants, and this is under penalties of perjury against the top figures in government, Secretary of the Treasury, Commissioner of IRS, a couple of judges, some prosecutors, and the USAG. One of the co-complainants on New Year's Day of 06 had been a self-employed accountant for 33 years and an enrolled agent to the IRS for 33 years, meaning he took courses every year to maintain certification so he could represent people at audits or in tax court. And he co-signed He co-complained under penalties of perjury after going through my entire treatise from 1994. So all this is really very old. LT was in a spot of trouble, or could could see it from where he stood anyway. And he says, David's joinder saved me from an IRS criminal investigation and federal indictment eight years ago. It also stopped all wage garnishments and bank account seizures. Further, it stopped the South Carolina Department of Revenue from trying to collect 37 grand from me, and they haven't contacted me since then. That was eight years ago. Thank you very much, David. 
and that's why I'm in this. It's uh, for the justice. It would be great to be able to pay my bills, uh, but the reason I tolerate such a meager living is because I'm on kind of a mission. And if you were to listen to the archived calls here on 87488 American Liberties, uh, you'll hear every Wednesday, going back quite a while now, uh, the last four and a half years has been uh, has seen a lot of litigation. Our Boggs in South Carolina, I think he filed two lawsuits of his own on my issues, and I wrote two lawsuits for him. Steel Billy, a counterclaim in U.S. District Court in Kentucky. Um, then there were two lawsuits in South Dakota. Texas Tax Court appeals from Tax Court on the 7th, 9th, and 11th circuits. And those three appealed their decisions to the Supreme Court. I wrote all this three times in the Supreme Court last year. Uh, for anybody that's new in the chat, uh, welcome. And again, none of this is legal advice. The law doesn't count. And so uh, what Chris described early on in the call about uh, this memorandum has everything in it. Here's the law right here, arguing just the law. You can go look it up with the understanding that we've been hammering on the government and they can't deny a word of those arguments. Not a single word. On the Robert Orth page, Coming up here in the chat, bingo, paste, and send. There's a page with an exchange of briefs uh, from last year, concluded in uh, fall of last year, between me and the government's top tax attorney, Richard E. Zuckerman. And there's your proof that they can't even talk about these arguments when, in fact, they've had them for over 26 years and they're not on the IRS's frivolous argument list. And everybody else's arguments are on the list. <laughs> so I figured out a whole lot about which statutes to argue and how to argue them and what Supreme Court cases to cite in support of how I interpret statutes. So my feet are on the ground, and I'm arguing just controlling statutes. And they can't talk to you about it. So I've, I've taken what I do way farther than anybody else. They go to court, and they get a memorandum against them. The government can't brief against me because these issues are exactly what the law says. And I've uh, posted uh, as an exhibit on the board here a letter from IRS Criminal Investigations Division, Denver, to a man who took my stuff and uh, beat up the IRS with it. They had him in a criminal investigation, and he got a letter from the special agent in charge. You are no longer the subject of a criminal investigation by our office regarding your federal tax liability. Representatives of other IRS functions, either exam or collection, may contact you in the future to address issues regarding unfiled tax returns and or unpaid taxes. So we just killed the, the tendency to indict the guy with my findings. He did all the work, but he's a co-complainant. He filed an affidavit or joiner through Chris's office. 
and became a co-complainant to the uh, New Year's of 06 congressional complaint and briefing. <clears throat> it became his complaint, and he ran off a bunch of copies of it and served it on everybody down at that office. And along with the three trips to the Supreme Court last year, it sounds like we're actually making waves. So when you hit them with this stuff, uh, there's a great chance they're going to back off. And no one can claim that success using just the law. How about that? I'm the only one. Chris and I. And it's my 1994 treatise written after five and a half years of research and comparing the IRS's standard operating procedures to the letter of the law. And I found the list of things they misenforce. And they can't deny a word of it because we've been in court and been in court and been in court. And you see, the government's best can't even talk to you. You got, you got the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights that says you're entitled to clear explanation of the laws. And Steel Billy, who's on the call, he countersued in U.S. District Court when the DOJ sued him. And he didn't make the arguments that the law is being violated. He simply sued for those clear explanations they said we're entitled to. And they dismissed his lawsuit, saying, no, you're not entitled to it. That's how good I am. That's how solid my original findings are from my, the only research I did was 1988 through 1994. Actually, through 1993. And then I was done. And after that, it was about learning how to write a brief, going back and forth with the IRS administratively in letters, uh, five trips all the way to the Supreme Court by October of 98. So none of this is new. The findings are from 1994. January of 94, I started to write my treatise. And I was done in a couple months. I reformulated that treaty, the same uh, treatise, the same findings, but newly written and briefed for the New Year's of 06 criminal complaint to Congress. In the chat, here's the page containing the information about how to become a co-complainant. Study the work on wevgov.com. And if you come away from my YouTube channel and wevgov.com with the uh, firm belief that they're depriving of Section 83 when they tax your paycheck, in uh, amounts that constitute only the value of your labor, if you feel that citizens of the U.S. are only named in regulations, I've already got a criminal complaint with 80 members of Congress, so you don't have to write one of those. It's fully briefed and supported, so you don't have to write another brief. And you just file an affidavit of joinder, as instructed at the bottom of that page, and send it off to Chris, and he'll serve the right members of Congress, and mail you back a certificate of service. And now you're a co-complainant uh, with uh, a posture that's offensive, confident. It comes from knowledge that the law protects you and that they know about. They can't even write a brief against me on the Seventh Circuit last year when they had the arguments for over 26 years. you got to spare me. So uh, my confidence comes from uh, my ability to interpret those statutes. I can read tax law. It didn't intimidate me. But now you get the, you have the benefit of seeing how 
we've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with the government from coast to coast in a bunch of places. They can't get to the bottom of these brief conclusions. Number one, Social Security has never been written to apply to citizens of the United States, and that's what you say I am. Number two, that leaves just Chapter 1 of the tax code, the graduated income tax, and it doesn't even name a subject of the tax like Social Security chapters do. In fact, you had to write a regulation, 26 CFR 1.1-1, to make me liable. You can't do that with a regulation because the 16th Amendment says Congress can only collect this tax. It has to be a statute, not a regulation. Oh, yeah. Oh, servant breath. And lastly, if I was subject to the tax code, uh, it doesn't even tax fair market value of labor. How did Section 83 operate in your conclusion? I only tax on my pay. They can't even talk to you about it, and yet it explains how to tax the entire workforce. There's the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com in the chat. I'll take you right there. So the statute that explains how to tax you that we all have to comply with, that includes the IRS, is a secret. And they'll penalize you thousands of dollars for asking. That's how powerful these conclusions are. Section 83 provides a mechanism to calculate your cost, and they don't consider it. They take you straight to gross income. That's profit. But what about my cost? They won't talk about it, and you can't have it, and you better not ask them. <laughs> so we have them to exactly that point. And it only helps you in criminal cases. They don't want this in front of a tax criminal jury. And so we've succeeded in shutting down IRS criminal investigations. Students, co-complainants have succeeded on their own without Chris and I, shutting down a criminal investigation and maybe a grand jury. Chris was the first one to nullify a grand jury in January of 07. So there. And he and I have helped a bunch of people since. So uh, I've got the good, and you, you, benefit, you have the benefit of seeing that the government runs from these provisions instead of outbriefing me. And one of them happens to explain how to tax the entire workforce, and they're going to talk about it. So I've been pursuing... The obvious protections I, I found in the law, they can't deny a word of it, and they aren't going to talk to you about it. So uh, don't do an end zone dance. If you're not confident in this, it's worth the money to pay the IRS to keep them out of your lives. And on top of that, start a home business. Get your kids involved. Teach them how to be an entrepreneur. Start some business at home and gather a bunch of deductions that H.R. Bach says you'll, you'll be permitted to, uh, to uh, take. You can write off 1,500 square feet of your home as a business expense, a cost of doing business. Section 212 of the tax code. In the case of an individual, there shall be allowed as a deduction all ordinary and necessary expenses paid or incurred in the production or collection of income. That's where your deductions are going to accumulate 
to the greatest uh, amount. <clears throat> Other than that, it's worth it just to keep them out of your lives. So here am I with all these tools, and I still preach caution. Pete Henderson knows his book lands people in prison. He still sells his book on the opposite of the tax honesty movement because I'm honest. And then there's that whole learning curve thing that I enjoy over them. Uh, they're locked in the ignorance of the law school. And I'm over here cracking the whip on a whole bunch of really neat stuff. But uh, the acquisition of a uh, posture. I want you to go to this document. I'll put it in the chat here. Here it comes. It's a PDF document. The government's trial brief from 2014 in Anchorage, Alaska in the tax criminal case. And I want to direct your attention to a couple of things here. Um, he filed six Pete Henderson tax returns, and he has trouble. Yes, he does. Uh, let's see. I downloaded it. It's on my computer. Let me find it, because uh, otherwise you can't exploit those little thought bubbles that I put in the uh, margins. Um, let's see here. Well, guess I got to download it again. Okay, I'm going to download it again so I can access it from my desktop. And what you find here is that you filed a bunch of Pete Henderson tax returns, uh, filing false tax returns and failure to file. I think it was six or seven charges. And uh, I told you they don't want this in front of, or they don't want my stuff in front of the tax criminal jury. Um, I'm on page two of this government trial memorandum. Statement of fact, defendant James R. Back has been employed for over 30 years by Alieska Pipeline Service Company as a pipeline technician. How yes, the personal records to be offered at trial will establish that the defendant earned the following wages. They didn't say income. He earned the following wages during the prosecution years. This man was making very nice money. More than, uh, what does that add up to? About $14,000 a month. So um, $20,000 contributions to his 401k. And he threw it all to the wind for the sake of Pete Henderson. Count one, filing false return 2006. Look at the second paragraph. This return, the false return, uh, claimed that Back had earned zero wages in 2006 and demanded a refund of withholdings in the amount of 38000 bucks. Thus included uh, the federal tax that had been withheld and paid over to the U.S. Treasury by Alyeska, 
uh, from payroll uh, taxation, as well as the Social Security and Medicare taxes withheld. In, uh, in May of 08, the IRS issued a refund check to back in the amount of 33,000 bucks. He endorsed the check, deposited it in a Z-Trade account that he used for checking. Count two, same thing. And he got a refund. Uh, let's see. Bottom of page four. Uh, Okay, the, the middle paragraph in page four begins with, the trial was held in Palmer, Alaska before Judge Juan Vasquez, tax court. Next paragraph says, the judge informed back that he was wrong and that his arguments were frivolous. The judge issued an opinion holding that back's arguments were frivolous. This is in 2011. This is after the damage was done. Uh, he filed... Uh, these false tax returns, according to the government, of course, qualifier there, uh, before that tax court thing. So it's not a fact that's relevant, the fact he went to tax court. Because this is about tax returns he filed before he went to tax court and learned that his arguments were frivolous. Now, I'm on uh, count three filing false tax returns, and that's on page 5 of 24. The defendant filed a timely 2008 Form 1040, April of 2009. He again reported zero wages. The 1040 is not for reporting wages. It's for reporting gross income from whatever source derived. They're using the term wages. Why aren't they using the term income? It's not about wages, it's about income. It's not a wage tax, it's an income tax. He again reported zero wages and demanded a refund to include all whatever block. Um, the IRS issued a refund check. At the end of the year 2008, the balance in his account was 133,000 uh, bucks. Scrolling, count six. Um, okay. Uh, count six, defendant failed to file a Form 1040 for 2011 despite earning 138000 wages or income. It just says dollars. So they abandoned wages, too. So the language is loose in this memorandum. In an account application with E-Trade dated March 2012, just before the 2011 return was due, Back acknowledged that he was employed by Alaska Pipeline that he earned annual income. There's no quotation marks around the word income. So they're using income now and going back to dollar figures of between $100,000 and $200,000 that his liquid net worth was a half a million to a million, that his total net worth was $500,000 million, that he was a U.S. citizen, and that his country of legal residence was the United States. Okay. Um, there's language that they use. Uh, he says he's a citizen and that he's not required to file. That's what I was looking for in all this. He tells him that he, he didn't have any duties. 
or that it wasn't income. Well, that's the definition of innocent. If you don't believe you have a duty, you're not guilty. And they tell you that in this memorandum, beginning on page six, the elements of the crime. The indictment charges the defendant with three counts of making, subscribing material false tax returns, uh, 7206. In order for the defendant to be found guilty of that charge, the government must prove each of the following elements beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm on page 7 of 24. Bottom of the page, that jury instruction. First, that the defendant made and signed a tax return for the year 2006-78 that he knew contained false information as to a material matter. Does he believe that his wages are gross income? He obviously doesn't. He signed it under penalties of perjury. He's obviously innocent by the government's own words. Second, the return contained a written declaration that it was being signed subject to penalties of perjury. Third, in filing a false tax return, the defendant acted willfully. A matter is material if it had a natural tendency to influence or was capable of influencing the decisions or activities of the Internal Revenue Service. Can they prove that? Well, they issued a refund check each of those times. So yeah, he needs that part of it. But he had to have known the statement was false. How could I know it was false or true when you keep the law a secret? But he didn't know about my work. Top of page eight, false information is material that had a natural tendency to influence, uh, citing U.S. versus Gowden. Uh, you can read this at your leisure. This is a fantastic document, folks. I'm telling you, this is one of the one of the most important documents I've acquired in all of my work. This trial memorandum, an employee, forms 1040, filed zero. Uh, let's see. I'm on page 8 of 24, second par third paragraph. The defendant is also charging the indictment with four counts of willful failure to file income tax return, uh, 7203. In order for the defendant to be found guilty beyond reasonable doubt, indented, First, the defendant was required to file a return for the calendar year. You're not required to file a return unless you have gross income that's equal to or in excess of the exemption amount, 6012. So how does Section 83 operate in your conclusion? I have a duty to file an income tax return because Section 83 has to operate before you can say the word gross income in 6012. Second. The defendant failed to file an income tax return by the due date. And third, in failing to do so, he acted willfully, meaning he had the legal duty, he knew he believed, and believed he had the duty, and failed to perform. Next page. In order to prove that the defendant acted willfully, the government must prove beyond reasonable doubt that the defendant knew federal tax law imposed a duty on him, and the defendant intentionally and voluntarily violated that duty. This is the government speaking. They're telling you how to be innocent of tax crime. And you saw the fruits of it in the window where I got that, uh, uh, that letter from somebody in Denver that the criminal investigation was closed. This is Ninth, Ninth Circuit Model Criminal Jury Instruction 9.42. That's West Coast. A defendant who acts on a good faith misunderstanding as to the requirements of the law does not act willfully means he's innocent, even if his understanding of the law is wrong or unreasonable, or both. 
Nevertheless, merely disagreeing with the law does not constitute a good faith misunderstanding of the law because all persons have a duty to obey the law whether or not they agree with it. So those are two different individuals. One thinks he understands the law and he's wrong, and the other one just says, this law is bogus. I'm not, you can't do this to me. Well, you're going to prison. Thus, in order to prove that the defendant acted willfully, the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant did not have a good faith belief that he was complying with the law. Section 83 is a secret. I'm a shoe-in for a finding of innocence, but I'd really rather uh, not have to experience being dragged out of my home by Department of Homeland Security and being taken to federal prison, maybe released on my own recognizance pending trial. Uh, somebody like me would want to keep me in prison pending trial because I know how to mitigate. So they'll think of a reason. And uh, they can't even prove the law imposes a tax, and you go on the offense to avoid being arrested and possibly held pending trial. So you're relying on your family instead of your family relying upon you. Everything gets turned upside down. And your future is in the hands of a bunch of people that can't even spell Supreme Court. They're called a trial jury. So your ass flaps in the breeze, and unless you've got a great big record built against them like Lloyd Long and Vernice Coogan and John Cheek, you go to prison. When they know this is the definition of innocence, I would want to meet this definition so I don't have to guess. And then follow it up, you know, hit them with a whole bunch of documents. Uh, this criminal complaint from Congress, this letter to the Secretary of the Treasury, nobody can answer me, whatever. Uh, and, and tell them, you aren't going to go to a grand jury now and lie and tell them you think I have a duty, are you? If what I've given you thus far is not viewed by you as proof I'm innocent, just let me know and I'll supply another dump truck full of documents to prove I don't believe I have a duty. But if I don't hear from you, I'll presume you view me as not willful if in the future I fail to file or fail to pay. No one can take you that far uh, to prepare for or to hopefully prevent uh, the commencement of a criminal action against you. Tell them it's a lie to go to a grand jury and say, I believe I have a duty. I don't. The law is a secret. You better believe I don't believe I have a duty. Uh, tell them that you've read the exchange of briefs in the Robert Orff case. And you can't even talk about the law and you win. Any government that wasn't lying wouldn't need to litigate like that. I'm on page 9 of 24, the big paragraph at the bottom. Section 7203 and 7206 of the Internal Revenue Code use the term willfully. In Cheek, the Supreme Court set forth the following definition. Willfulness, as construed by our prior decisions in criminal tax cases, requires the government to prove that the law imposed a duty on the defendant. They can't do that. They can't prove it. You got all the briefs. That the defendant knew of this duty. How could he know of the duty when the law is a secret? Billy, his counterclaim was dismissed. You can't have a clear explanation of the law and that he voluntarily and intentionally violated that known duty. <clears throat> this same definition applies equally to all tax offenses, misdemeanors and felonies alike. See U.S. versus Pomponio. 
Supreme Court 76. In other words, if you know that you owe taxes and you do not pay them, you have acted willfully. How can anybody know? The law is a secret. See how I turn it around on them. Every time they open their mouths with the last almost five years' worth of litigation now. In a failure to file tax return prosecution, the government is not required to prove an intent to evade or defeat a tax, but may instead prove an intent to disobey or disregard the law, which may be the intent not to file a return, rather than the intent to evade or defeat a tax. Whoopi, U.S. versus Meredith, 2012. I wonder if that's Meredith. A defendant's views regarding the validity of a tax statute is irrelevant to the issue of willfulness. And if heard, the jury should be instructed to disregard it. You can't just disagree with the law. You have to have an interpretation where you say, I relied on this statute over here. It says right here, only the excess over the value of my labor is gross income. I didn't make any excess. They can't overcome that. They've had their chances. And so I think it's a great argument to be made in an effort to fit within this definition of innocence. And in here, um, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this and do a search for citizenship. That he was a U.S. citizen. Uh, I'm on count six of the memorandum. Let's see. And his legal residence is in the United States. They usually uh, loosely use the word income or wages as if they're interchangeable, when in fact you don't have to file a tax return unless you receive gross income. And that's what a 1040 is for, is to report gross income. Because there's no other, there's no line on a 1040 EZ where you can deduct your cost. Once you report as gross income your wages, you can't revisit Section 83. You have to go to Section 83 first, or you lose Section 83. Uh, so anyway, wonderful document, definition of innocence. And going back to uh, the topic of, that I wanted to bring up was how very invaluable it is to be a co-complainant on the New Year's of 06 criminal complaint to 80 members of Congress. Here's a link to that page again. Uh, it's, it's invaluable because then you'll have my 180-page submission to Congress, which includes a 58-page memorandum, 33-page criminal complaint, uh, I think a nine-page abstract of primary claims, eight-page certificate of service, seven-page table of authorities, 12-page notarized cover letter with a couple of its own exhibits, and you just print off copies of that and serve it on them with a cover letter that says, I, don't, I think I'm violating the law to report as gross income the value of my labor. No one else can take you there. Nobody else. Uh, and you just saw the definition of innocence. Fantastic. That's what we do with these findings. We try to make that definition sound like, 
hey, they're describing that person to complain to Congress. Yeah, that's what they're doing, all right. They don't believe they have a duty. They built a record. The government can't refute a word of it. They have a good faith misunderstanding of the law that we can't even disprove. Well, then stop calling it a misunderstanding, servant breath, right? Ah, and we go in circles. And so I don't do liens and levies because success is so fleeting. Once in a while, you'll get a levy lifted or a lien released or quashed. And, uh, <clears throat> but we have seen the fruits in the form of uh, terminating an IRS criminal investigation or nullifying a tax grand jury. And, uh, you know, the truth be praised, there's a lot of it in that fact that Chappie and I have seen a bunch of people identically situated to people that went to prison. And the only difference between them who did not go to prison and the people who did was the free people's subscription to my conclusions and diligent service of those conclusions upon public servants that might otherwise formulate criminal charges. So uh, that's what we do. And now you have the memorandum right from the government that says, yeah, that's the way to prove your innocence, all right. And we're doing it in spades with civil suits over here, civil suits over there, three appeals to the Supreme Court last year from three circuits. And they can't even talk to you about the case. On the Joinder page, the instructions on how to file the Joinder are at the bottom of the page. Read the page and follow those instructions if you want to be a co-complainant uh, that says, you know, I think they are stealing. They name citizens of the U.S. regulation only, and they're violating Section 83 to tax the value of labor. If, you, if you're comfortable making that allegation, uh, you don't need to write your own criminal complaint. There's one waiting for you to, to uh, piggyback on top of it and start serving on public servants with the knowledge in the briefs, right in your own hand, from the Robert Orth case, that they can't even talk to you about it. And the only place you're going to win is to prevent criminal charges. They'll still come after your money. So I don't claim for one bit uh, that this is going to stop them from trying to get your money. However, you can see why they don't want what I do in front of a... Uh, tax criminal jury. With all that having been said, near the top of the hour, uh, it's been my pleasure and my privilege. Thanks, everybody, for showing up and sharing your Wednesdays with uh, Chris and I. And to the newcomers on the call, you're welcome back anytime on Saturdays at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern. Saturdays here on TalkShoe on 59615. 59615, that's my channel. The show is called No Confidence, and I'm there to chat. I usually don't record the calls, but uh, Saturday at noon, get to load down a few things that uh, you're not going to hear from anybody else. I can guarantee you that. Back to you, Chris. Okay. Thank you, Grateful. All right. Well, thank you. That was a good call. And um, and also, I just like, I'm going to put my link to Max's, and people can sign up. It's a free sign up. You um, you actually uh, uh, it's free and you can save on your typical shopping and everything. And I know a lot of people don't go out excuse me don't go out of the way to save money. 
But, you know, we got three levels, 10, 30, and 50. And even if you came in at the $50 level, you can save more than what you pay. So, I mean, it's a, it's really a, a really a done deal. I mean, they got a great program they put together, and I'm using that vehicle to make money to help everybody that is listening plus to this call. And I'm going to have calls only to, you know, I'm going to still keep the talk show calls and all that, but the people that join us in Max's and and uh, and be part of the affiliate program, and and I'm I'm going to help each and every one of you make two or three of my goals is to help you make four thousand dollars a month. Why would I do that? Because I get matching bonuses. And when I teach you to teach others to make that amount of money. You get matching bonuses off of the people that you personally enroll. Now, I know darn well everybody on this call knows four people that have the same feeling, gut feeling, for the IRS that you do. There's no doubt in my mind. The question is, are you willing to step up to the plate and do something about it? You know, with the goals that I have, and I'm a goal-driven man. I, I set my I set goals to do what I want to do, to get what I want done, and then at each in each day when I look at different things. I said, well, if I do this, is it going to take me closer to or further away from my goals? And um, so, and I wish I was perfect. I'm not. I don't know anybody perfect. And the only one that was perfect, they nailed him to the cross. So who who, who wants to be perfect? (laughs) Anyhow, with that being said, God bless America. And this call is now officially over. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.